Welcome to From the Median, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Median asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. And now your host, Molly Smith. Welcome back. I am Molly Smith, your host. I want to remind you all that our program is available for download. You can do so by going to our website from themedian.org. Listeners, as always, wonderful to have you with me. Thank you so much for joining. And I have a returning guest who I just, I know everybody loves to to listen to his wisdom, his, his ability to look at problems and to look at things and not just problems, but look at the world and, and give us a really good, strong, godly perspective on it. And of course, I'm talking about Father Shannon Bouquet. And he is joining us to talk about two very important Issues that we are facing, and we were just talking before he came on the program. It's sort of these these issues are our first. They are world problems, very much so world problems. But I think the the final article we'll talk about is probably really rearing its head more more purposefully in first world than than it is in the third world. But before I go there, let me just tell you. A little bit about Father Bouquet because he is the most amazing guy. He was ordained in 1993. He is out of the Diocese of Louisiana. He is the president of Human Life International. He's a leading expert on the international pro-life and family movement. He's journeyed to nearly 90 countries on pro-life missions and has, in fact, just come back from a mission. So without further ado, Father Bouquet, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Molly, it's always great to be with you and with your audience. Well, you know what? You've just come back from Rwanda, and we were talking before you came on the air here about the fact that, you know, that what happens here in the first world certainly does impact what happens around the world. So, you know, you've, you've had that experience. And before we actually get into the articles that I want to talk about, and of course, the one is, is, is one that was published on July 31st, and it's the, called The Social Impact of Over-the-Counter Opal, which of course is a contraceptive pill. Tell us a little bit about your mission work, and then I'd love to encourage everybody to support you financially as well and all you do. Sure. You know, and, and again, Molly, always great to be with you, and thank you for the opportunity to, you know, to, to talk about HLI's mission. You know, to, for our audience that may or may not be familiar with HLI, it was founded over 50 years ago by a Benedictine priest, uh, Father Paul Marx. And Father Marx was dealing, as was the time, uh, with the issue that uh, resulted uh, as a consequence of uh, Paul VI's release of Humanae Vitae. And as we know with Humanae Vitae on human life, Paul VI upheld the Church's perennial teaching on the dignity of marriage and the conjugal act. In a world that was uh, in, uh, in the throes of the sexual revolution, where people were rejecting any type of responsibility and culpability for action, and really were uh, wanting the Church to change her teaching, uh, and actually pressuring the Church, pressuring the Holy Father, uh, to change the Church's uh, perennial teaching in favor of the modern mindset, and of course Paul VI rejected that and lifted high once again the Church's teaching on the ends of marriage and particularly on the dignity of the conjugal act and its openness to human life. And so, you know, Father Marx saw this great problem that as dissent from the Church's teaching continued to grow and to advance, that inevitably a perception would lead to the wide world acceptance of abortion uh, and would lead eventually down the pathway to what we see today with euthanasia and the whole gender uh, dysphoria issue that we're seeing. All this was foreseen. 
And we are here today because of this fundamental issue when we reject God's plan. So HLI really supports the work of the church in advocating for her teaching and supports pro-life leaders all over the world in their efforts to cultivate and build and sustain a culture of life. Yeah, absolutely. You And this sort of ties right in with, with what we're seeing happening right now. And we've been watching it slowly but surely creep into into everything um, with regards to treat, treating and, and um, uh, sort of shouting from the rooftops the fact that children are a burden. Children are a problem. Children shouldn't be here unless I decide I want a little Bonnie baby type of thing. And if I don't, then there's no little Bonnie baby. We just, we just slaughter them. And, and this is, and it's, Having come to that conclusion, we, we now say, okay, we don't want to have children unless we can have children, unless we, unless we choose it. So now we're going to say that the, uh, the, um, United States has just, uh, um, with regards to, uh, um, Biden, President Biden has just stated that he is going to make this contraceptive pill, um, available over the counter for anybody. Anybody can walk in and get a, a contraceptive pill. So that takes away any kind of age restrictions or anything. You wrote a very, very good article about this because you, you point out in your, in your article that most abortions are the results of unwanted pregnancies. So, um, you know, if you, an unwanted pregnancy, there is a result of sexual relationship outside of marriage. And most sexual relationships outside of mar- marriage are facilitated by the availability of contraception to turn this to, to turn this progression around, contraception leads to more extramarital sexual intercourse. More extramarital sexual intercourse leads to more unwanted pregnancies. More unwanted pregnancy leads to more abortions. This is what uh, I think was what Janet Smith said about about the the whole idea of making this contraceptive pill more more available. Exactly. You know, yeah, Dr. Janice Smith has been a, a real warrior in this great cause on the issue of contraception, you know, for decades. And we owe her a tremendous amount of gratitude for her writing, for her uh, articulation of uh, not only the church's teaching and the, the logic behind it, but also the consequences. So, you know, it's great to hear her still actively involved in this. And, and you know, I think it's important for our audience to understand the correlation between contraception and abortion. And of course, it seems counterintuitive, as I talk about in the article, that, you know, of course, if you have more access to contraception, quote, then you'll have uh, less uh, pregnancy. Well, we know this to be false, that as contraceptive access increases, abortion increases. And why? Because contraception in and of itself, whether it be hormonal, whether it be as a uh, prophylactic, there are failures, there are, uh, uh, it's not 100% guaranteed, and because of human error, and as we deal with this opal, which is only progestin, which means if a person uh, doesn't adhere to the, the, the calendar of taking it every day at the same time, then it actually uh, uh, lessens its effectability, and actually a person will find themselves pregnant. It also does not protect from sexually transmitted diseases, and so a litany of other problems. And so, but it creates, Molly, a behavior, mm-hmm. a, a mindset that, you know, because we, it, it treats the, the beautiful gift, the God-given gift of human sexuality, the expression of sexual love that is only to be expressed between husband and wife purely as a biological, physical, pleasure-centered act, thus rupturing it 
from its full full beauty and and thus it begins to treat the sexual act as basically as recreational uh, and also one-sided in the sense of you know for one's own pleasure and it turns as Paul the sixth would say in humanity vitae toward the objectification of women and as I say in the article, women are the ones that suffer the greatest of all this because men are no longer held accountable. So basically, women are the ones that are told to take these pills. They're the ones that suffer from the consequences of this chemical uh, pill they're taking. They're the ones that suffer when the pill doesn't work, and then they're driven to abortion because their boyfriends or husbands don't want the child. And they're the ones that bear the brunt of the psychological pain, and then it just goes on. And so what we see, uh, and that Dr. Janice Smith points out very clearly that I mentioned in the article, is this correlation study after study reveals it. And so it's a great lie that, and we see this in the mission world, greater access to contraception. We see the, uh, also the correlation abortion follows. That's why Pope John Paul II spoke of abortion and contraception as fruits of the same tree, mm-hmm. rotten fruit from the same tree, because they flow from the same tree. It's a rejection of the God-given uh, gift of fertility. It, it try, contraception is, as its name means, contra. It's against conception. So it's denying a very natural consequence of the sexual act, which is the possibility of the conception of a child. Um, and so contraception is not health care. It doesn't resolve a medical uh, health problem. It, tr- it stunts a natural function of the body, which is fertility. And so uh, I think that, you know, people need to wake up, you know, to the very fact when we reject you know, God's plan for human sexuality, for the gift of conjugal love between a husband and wife. And when people abuse this, um, these consequences that we see today in our culture continue to rise. And and we treat children as a commodity. We, we treat children basically as a burden, as you said very early, Molly. It also treats children as, as not only the burden, but look at what's happening. And I know we're going to get into this shortly is what are the consequences of that? Not just to one couple. What happens to the common good? What happens to society? What happens to the, 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 the whole of a nation when this contraceptive mentality takes deep root as it has done? And that's the real issue here. And, and so that this, this mentality is the real systemic issue from which contraception flows from which abortion flows, from which euthanasia flows, and even the homosexual activity Absolutely. flows. Absolutely. Because it's contraceptive. Yep. So, it, it, and this is why you have people like International Planned Parenthood Federation and uh, uh, Planned, uh, uh, Planned Parenthood uh, Federation of America pushing for same-sex unions and same-sex action. Why? Because it's contraceptive. Mm-hmm. It, exactly it, it, right. There's no children that are begotten from two people of the same sex entering into some biological act. It doesn't, doesn't, so I I think it's important for people to open their eyes, you know, and this is not just a a Christian Catholic issue. This really is a human issue. And uh, and so it's something that we need to talk about more and more. Absolutely. And there's another whole side, and I want to come back to the whole euthanasia issue as well. As I mentioned, it's another article I want to talk about. But, you know, there's there's another whole side to this, and you pointed out very well in your article on the on the uh, Opal um, article about the contraception is that um, the, Karen, the, the, the deputy director of the FDA's Office of Non-Prescriptive Drugs, Karen Murray, stated, overall, the total public health impact of the 
of the potential harm is likely out out is likely outweighed by the probable larger public health impact of prevention of a large number of unintended pregnancies with all of the unintend with their all attendant harms. So, and and you said that that translates to say yes, some women will suffer physical and not psychological harm from taking the drug. Right. This, but this enables consequence free sex by thwarting the natural outcome of sexual union. It also does not talk about what. Actually, the, the opal does to a woman's body. It has got some serious side effects. Exactly, which which you hear in, in if you and for the, our audience that will read a little in, on the link and see what actually is uh, Miss Murray said is that when you think about this, is it doesn't matter what are the what, what exactly. are the consequences for any woman who uh, actually avails herself to opal or any. Uh, hormonal contraceptive and you know people realize that it does have great harm there's been study after study that has shown you know the long-term impact of this and we know that the issues of breast cancer cervical cancer uterine cancer uh, among uh, min- many other lists again the, uh, that uh, emerge but basically what she says that, that doesn't matter doesn't matter all that yeah. matters yeah. is having free unconsequential sex first of all there's nothing as there's nothing unconsequential yeah. There's always a consequence to every act, right. even this act, which again is a false act because it falsifies the sexual union, and but but it has a consequence. So a person who thinks that there's consequence free is, again, as Paul the Six makes note mm-hmm. of, and as you just made note of, there is a physical consequence. So in a sense that there are harms to the body that yep. occur by continuing onset of taking these pills, which is unnatural. And, and, and basically stifles the very natural biological function of a woman's body. So there are consequences. That, so there's nothing consequence-free. It affects the way that men treat women, and it affects the way that men treat um, and women treat men. So in this situation, men are again given a, a kind of a hands-off, free approach. They get all the sex they want, no consequences, and guess what? If there is a conception, we'll just have an abortion. So men are held unaccountable. That's a consequence. Mm-hmm. And what does it create in the culture? It creates a mindset, as you said very much earlier again, and we reiterate the mindset that children are unwelcome. They are a burden to our culture, and uh, and they are and basically, and this is why we see in our culture, it can, in the United States and many other Western countries, the birth rates are plummeting, and as a result, we have an aging population. And anyone that's watching any kind of TV, and as I've said on our interviews before, I'm not a big TV watcher. I actually see more TV when I'm traveling in airports because I'm sitting there waiting for the airplane. But you see commercial after commercial, there's nothing to do with children, but everything to do with pets. It's propaganda. And so we've been propagandized, indoctrinated with a mindset. Children are bad, bad for the culture, bad for the climate bad for society, and what's good is, and then we replace the child with an animal. And so this is the mindset. So we see this being propagated around the world, and enemy number one, Molly, is the United States of America, pushing this ideological agenda around the world. Absolutely, you go. You you've written a very interesting article uh, that was published on September fourth. Um, that that actually talks about exactly what has happened as a result of this, and it's t- entitled "Scapegoating of the Elderly." 
and it it's pointing out the aging of the world's population as a result of the of the decrease of the birth rate and the increase in life expectancies. Walk us through some of the points that you made in in that particular article, Father, because sure. I think that's so. This goes hand in glove. This is what Pope Paul the Sixth, Pope, Pope John the Twenty Third, Pope Paul, you know, Pope 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 right, Pope, exactly. Pope have all said. This is what right. will happen. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things in paragraph seventeen of Humanae Vitae, which I hope our audience will will return to read, is where uh, Paul the Sixth speaks of what people want to call prophecies. Now, all of them have come to pass, but the third one is the one that we deal with in this article, and that is what happens when government begins to use contraception as a means of of depopulation. And this is what we're seeing. So if you look at uh, an article, an op-ed piece that I'm actually written um, that is going to be uh, submitted for World Contraception Day and then International Day of Abortion uh, toward the end of this month, is challenging this mindset in a document that's promulgated by the United States in 1974 called the National Security Memorandum uh, NSSM 200. Again, this is an ideology basically that seeks to depopulate the world. And the way it does this is is by propagating this agenda that we've been talking about. So what are the consequences of, of when we do this? So birth rates begin to to plummet. So we think of Molly of uh, of a pyramid, and so we call a population pyramid. Uh, you know, so if you the very top of a pyramid, the very point, is where we should have our most old aged population. The very base of the pyramid should be where we have the youngest of our population. And so the younger population it supports all those moving up the pyramid. And so we, just from an economic, just purely from an economic point, so that a, a healthy society with a young population, a good workforce, a good labor force, contributing to, you know, from taxes and, you know, economy and business, you know, but also from the family, that young people within a family caring for their elderly, caring for their sick and their terminally ill. But what's happened is we've inverted that pyramid. So Japan is a good example. China is another example that is now showing itself. Italy, you know, is an example. The United States is an example. So when you think about that, then your base now is your older population, and your point is now your younger population. Well, there are consequences to that. And as a result, you can't sustain the care that you want to give to your elderly and to your, ter- and your uh, aged uh, and, and, and terminally ill. So what do we see? the pushing of euthanasia. We see where, again, uh, an example of this is in Japan. I just read an article the other day where Japanese, older Japanese people are actually renting younger people to pretend that they, they are their children because they have no children. Mm-hmm. They, they, and they're looking for care, and they can't get the care. I read another article in Japan where uh, certain uh, um, uh, rental apartments are not renting to the elderly because they can't guarantee the care that they need. So you, you have a very intentional now approach to demoralizing and dehumanizing the, the elderly and treating them basically as a scapegoat and saying that they're the problem. So, you know, and people are resenting the elderly. You know, this is article after article I keep reading out of Japan. Um, and as I mentioned in the article about what hap- has happened in, uh, in China since 2018, and so we have an, an aging population. So what we see is the other spectrum of the contraceptive mentality, and that is 
because life is treated in a utilitarian Absolutely. way. And if life is a burden that you have to eliminate the burden, the child is, is perceived as a burden and unwanted. That's why you hear the term unwanted, which is a horrible thing to tell someone they're unwanted. But that's the mentality. So abortion, quote-unquote, solves that problem. And so what do we have at the other end of the spectrum? As a consequence of people contracepting, so the fruit of contraception has now brought a person to old age who has no one to care for them. There's not enough younger people to care for the society as a whole and to keep the economy flowing and healthy. And so what happens? We have to now move toward remove, relieving ourselves of that burden. And now we see the continuing uptick of euthanasia. Look at Canada, for example, oh, prime uh, example, yeah. a very, uh, one of the worst in the world. Uh, we also see now Australia picking up the same language um, and New Zealand and many other places. So this is a real problem that people need to awaken to and realize that, as we say, nothing is consequence-free. These are the results of a mentality that is the systemic issue here, and that is our failure to be open to the gift and beauty and wonder of human life. um, We've got about four minutes left, but I want you to talk a little bit about the the very um, actually uh, hopeful statement, that recent statement that was made by the representatives of the uh, uh, Abrahamic religions. Talk about that. Yeah, that, that's very, that just happened recently, and, and there's a link within my article on Spirit and Life that, that people can go into read, or you can go actually to the Vatican website and can actually see the document and read the document. So this is uh, something that happened recently in Argentina, where uh, Archbishop uh, Vincencio Paglia, who is the uh, president for the Academy for Life, um, was a representative of the Holy See, and jointly signed a document speaking about the, the dignity of, of our aged and to how we as a society must seek ways to love, to care, to accompany and support our, our elderly and, and not to treat them or perceive them as a burden. Even though it doesn't get directly into the subject of euthanasia, indirectly it's, it's in there because obviously if the mindset of burdensome mm-hmm. maintains itself, then euthanasia is the is, and physician-assisted suicide is what we will see. But what the document is lifting up is the dignity of every human life. And as we know, and, and your audience knows, Molly, that a person never loses this dignity and a person's developmental stage, like a child in the womb or a person now 100 years old, does not di- their dignity does not diminish and, is, and it's always remains. Mm-hmm. It's, it's immutable, unchangeable. And so the document really raises this up in front of all people, and it shows those within the Judeo tradition, within the Islamic tradition, within the Christian tradition of respecting our elderly, loving those who have served us and who have given themselves for us. It is now our responsibility to step forward and create healthy means of which to care for our elderly and to treat them with the dignity that they rightly deserve. Father Shannon Bouquet, thank you so much for joining us. As always, absolutely fascinating. And we are so grateful for all that you do, for the mission work that you do around the world, and for the mission work you are actually doing here in America. So God bless you lots. Thank you, Molly. Take care. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you all for joining me this evening. As I say good night and God bless each and every one of you, I'd like to close with the words of the Holocaust survivor Elie Wiesel. There may be times when we are powerless to prevent injustice, but there must never be a time when we fail to protest. Mm-hmm.
From the Median is listener-supported. Visit our website, fromthemedian.org, for further information or to make a donation to continue to make this radio program possible. Email us, radionews at fromthemedian.org or call 440-668-4049. Through our fromthemedian.org website, you can download this or previous programs for your listening pleasure or sign up to receive our weekly preview of upcoming guest interviews. Tune in every weeknight at the same time to listen to another great interview on From the Median as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. This program has been sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content.